Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Congressional App Challenge Debugged Podcast. I'm your host, Medha, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Alefia Master. Alefia Master is the founder and CEO of the award-winning app development program, MadLearn. She believes that enabling students to have passion-driven career choices should be a key focus for all educational institutions. It's not often that you find a millennial woman, minority, and educator turned entrepreneur who has founded and grown two ed tech companies that now impact over 40,000 students in 30 states and five countries. She knows the critical role of education and workforce development and the need to have all kids learn to think and create for themselves and be exposed to technology creation, not just consumption. When we don't know what jobs are going to be available 10 years from now on, we have to teach kids how to create their own. Alafia, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great, Medha. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's exciting to be here today. Yes, we're excited to have you. And so I'd love for you to just talk about like, so the stats are incredible. 40,000 students, five countries. So tell us like, what got your, what got you interested in like founding ed tech startups? And like, why did you decide to pursue this? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting story, Medha, because I didn't think that I would be an entrepreneur. I didn't start off um, my life thinking, oh, that's something that I'm going to do. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, as all of us, we think different things as we're growing up in terms of what we want to be when we grow up and what we want to what we see ourselves as. Um, I have a long line of educators in my family. My last name, Master, actually has come from our forefathers who were educators in rural villages in India. And back in the day, we used to call teachers Masterji, Masterji. We were under British rule. That was what we called teachers. Um, that's how we actually got our family name. And so um, education has been something that has been a very integral part of my family. Um, I knew that I wanted to be involved in education in one way or another and I started in the right place, which is the classroom. Um, so I was a teacher for many years. I, I did Montessori teacher training. I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I love being with the little ones, three to six year olds. The, the high school kids scare me a little bit, uh, but I'm working on it. Um, but I, I started in the classroom and, um, and it was experiences that I had in the classroom and problems that I faced in the classroom myself that really got me thinking about the proverbial, there has to be a better way. Um, and is there a better way? Is there a simpler way that I could do this, this, or this? Um, and so that's kind of how the entrepreneurial bug, um, you know, started, if you will. But it was not at all um, what I had planned for myself, what I had thought um, as as my future, if you will. That's incredible. And like, I will say, younger children scare me and high schoolers I'm fine with. So it's so funny to meet someone with the complete opposite problem. Um, but I, I think I'm jumping ahead, but I'm so curious, like what made you like take the leap to quit your like job as a teacher and then like become an entrepreneur? Cause I feel like that's a very, very scary thing to do. 
it, it was scary. Meda, it was definitely scary. Um, and it, it was based on really a, a problem that I had as a teacher. So my first problem was um, parents not knowing what was happening in my classroom. I was a Montessori teacher. It was a very specific pedagogy. You wanted for parents to be involved and help, you know, do similar things at home. Um, and parents were sending their kids to the school specifically because they wanted to have that kind of an education. Um, and I was sending pieces of paper home in the book bag. I was doing the old school Yahoo groups, um, email groups, all, all kinds of stuff to get parents informed. And you know, 10 years ago, that was, that was the best we could think of. Um, but phones were starting to become more and more ubiquitous. Apps were starting to be everywhere. Um, and you know, I, I was like, if businesses can have an app, if McDonald's can have an app, if all these different things that we do and use can have an app, why can't my school have an app? Um, and that was the original idea. That was the original sort of seed. Um, back then, no school had their own app. It was something that you had to spend $50,000, $150,000 to make an app for your business. No school was going to do that. Um, and so it was a very uncommon thing for schools to have their own apps. Today, most schools do, right? It's common, we've made it so that it's easy, it's available, it's accessible. Um, and we were part of that movement to create a system, a technology where we could easily build an app for a school. So that was the original idea is let's figure out an easy way to, to, to get parents, teachers, kids all on the same page, one app for one school, have everything you need. So we figured out how to do that in an easy way. But several years into that work, I realized um, that my heart was not on the operational side of education. It was really on the instructional side. And so we did a tour, we talked to our schools, and we had grown that business to where we were serving almost 100 different schools. We had you know, 50 team members. Um, we, were, we were doing a lot of cool stuff, but we talked to our schools, talked to the kids, and they had such great questions. Why does your app do this? Why does our school app look like that? We need to have that button there. That color's wrong. Um, and we came back and we said, guys, we need to not be the ones building the apps. We need to teach the kids how to do this. We need to empower and engage our kids with creating this technology as opposed to just consuming it. So you asked about the transition from classroom to to you know company or, or boardroom, if you will. And it really was based on a need that I had and one little step that led to another and another and another. At the time, it didn't seem like this big gargantuan thing. At the time, it seemed like, wow, that's something that doesn't exist in the world, and it should. Let's see if we can talk to some people and try to figure out a way to make it happen. Um, and 10 years later, here we are. That's incredible. Um, and I have so many questions based off of that. But I think my first question is, well, my first comment is like, I think like, it's really cool how you were able to take a step back from something um, and really like, be self-aware enough to admit like even though you were so passionate about this at first like it's not what you want to do and then take another risk completely so i think that's very admirable first of all but i have a question about the first app that you created which was for like schools and teachers and parents and students um at a time when apps were not as common for schools was it hard to get buy-in from administration and stuff like that like what did that process look like 
Absolutely. Um, I cannot tell you how many slammed doors I got, how many hung up phone calls I received. Um, there, were, there was a lot of uh, a very heavy lift because we were trying to shift the paradigm, right? We were trying to say, hey, you have a website and a website's great but you need more. Um, and and that, that took a lot of convincing um, and it took a lot of perseverance. But the reality was that schools were starting to see that parents were on their phones, right? They were on their phones all the time. We as adults were using apps for all kinds of different things. So if we could figure out a way to make it feasible and easy to manage, then the answer became a little bit more of a clear, yes, this is where we should be going. Um, but the early adopters are, um, you have to look for them, right? You have to really look for them. Not everyone is willing to say, yeah, I'm going to be the first one to do that. Um, or I'm going to be part of the, the new the new kids on the block uh, to do something different. So it, it definitely took a lot of convincing. Um, but a few years into it, when there was also a lot of other companies starting to do this kind of work, website companies were realizing, hey, we need to offer an app as well. Um, the, the sale became a lot more it became a lot more of an easy conversation where this is something you need, now let's pick which one. Gotcha, that makes a lot of sense. And so I know you mentioned a lot about like what your educational background is, but I'd love to hear more about your technological background. How did you get involved in technology? Did you know how to code apps before you started your first app? And what was that process of learning like? Yeah, very good question. I don't have one. I don't have a technology background. Um, and this is something I actually say to students all the time. I don't know how to code and I run a tech company. And that's important to hear, not because coding is not important, it's essential. We couldn't do what we do without our programmers, without our coders, but we also couldn't do what we do without our designers and our marketers and our sales team and our support team and all of these different things that come together to make a product or a business or a, a solution of some sort. Um, and so I realized that my skill and my passion and my interest is in the classroom and in the education aspect of things and working with teachers and working with students. And so that's what I focus on. And I was able to meet and find people to work with me on my vision and work with me on my team to help fill those gaps of the technical knowledge and the coding and, and creating all of the, the products that we have built over the years. So um, it's, it's not that I have that experience myself, it's that I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to find some phenomenal people on my team um, that we, we put our heads together and we make it all happen together as a whole. All of us together make a complete whole, each one of us individually. We have the certain skill sets and the interests that we have. That's amazing. And I, I think I've always heard this told to me that like the best leader is someone who makes sure that everyone else on the team is smarter than them. So I love that you're bringing people on that fill your gaps and help make the entire team stronger together. So on that note, I'm so curious, like for anyone who might be listening, who's trying to create a team for an entrepreneurial idea that they have, what, how do you recommend that they approach figuring out and like sussing out if someone is a good fit for their team? Like what are qualities that you look for when you're building out a team or trying to fill a position? This has taken me many years to learn, um, but I can say confidently now, 
100% for me personally, and I would recommend this to anyone, any other budding entrepreneur, um, I always look at interest and passion and alignment of what, what they think about our company and about our offering and about our product over hard skill. So skill can be taught and that's something that can be learned if you're interested in it you will learn it yourself um if you are interested in it and i know it i can teach you or someone else on the team can teach you so skill is something pure hard skills those can be taught and taught relatively easily i can't teach you to love what we do that's something that you either do or you don't. Um, and so we we look at when we're interviewing and you know we've been growing as a team. We just recently hired a couple of new people on our team. We look at um, the the research that they've done on who we are. We look at if their their interests and passions are aligned with what we're doing. Uh, we look at their past experiences and how that showcases their um their interests and what they've done and again how that aligns with what we're doing that is more important to us than actually being able to do a b or c of course that matters of course that's important if they come in with those skills it makes it easier um but we definitely have realized that um mission alignment passion alignment is superior to skill fit that's incredible and I completely agree with you. Um, and so on a completely different note, I'd love to hear you talk about some of the pushback that you've received over the years um, for like any reason, whether it's been um, for you being a woman entrepreneur or being like someone without a technology background, like how have you been able to navigate any sort of pushback you've received and kind of like keep a positive attitude above it all? Um, so there's been a lot of pushback, um, and if I think about what it, well, what are the challenges that we've faced, it's what day is it today, right? <laughs> it depends on the day. There's always a new challenge and always a big one. Um, but I would say in our early years, um, two of the biggest hurdles and obstacles that, that we faced um, one was age. Um, I was a 25-year-old entrepreneur, and people didn't take me seriously. People didn't think that um, I could do this or mm -hmm. that I could make it real or make it last. Um, so it was a lot of, um, even when talking to potential investors, talking to potential customers, um, it was easy for people to write me off because I was young and passionate and ambitious as opposed to really looking at what we had built and how that could help them. So that was a big challenge. Um, and in the beginning, I felt like I had to do everything I could to hide my age, to cover it up, to not talk about it, to to look mm -hmm. as old as I could <laughs> in different ways. Um, and I realized that that's actually something that I now embrace. And, um, you know, luckily things are changing, right? Today, we look upon with a lot of respect a young entrepreneur. 10 years ago, that was a little different. It was not so much the case. And so um, we were changing and I'm glad to see that there's more young entrepreneurs. There's more um, great ideas coming out of everywhere. Forget age, right? Um, so I think that that paradigm is shifting, but that was definitely a big hurdle that we had. Um, and I 
went from needing to hide it to now embracing it and being able to say, yeah, I, I started that at 25 and yeah, I'm doing this at 35 and yeah, it's okay. It doesn't matter because you can do all these great things regardless of who you are, where you're from, how old you are. So, so that was one. And the other one, mostly from an investor perspective, also somewhat from a sales perspective, was the fact that I am a woman. It was hard to find investors early on. It was hard to get interest uh, from typical VCs that tend to be not women focused or not minority focused. It was absolutely a challenge to get people interested or to get them to take us seriously. So investor relations were tough and a big challenge. It's still something that um, I am always working on. Our first set of investors we realized were helpful from a funding perspective, but not so much from a, a strategic partnership and understanding who we were perspective. Our second set of funders um, have been a lot more aligned to getting who we are as people, who we are as a mission, um, and supporting not just financially, but also with ideas and brainstorming and, and just mutual respect. I think that's the biggest thing, right? We, we, all, we all want to walk into a room and um, know that we have a voice and that we have ideas that we can share that are meaningful. And so, again, something that's changed and shifted, we have now a lot more investment groups and VCs that are focused on women, are focused on minorities, they understand our reality of being an entrepreneur differently than other groups might have. And so um, I'm happy to see those shifts and happy to see those changes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I love like the journey you took us through of like the different relationships you have with investors and how like that really you needed to be strategic at some point about like who you were actually getting money from. Money is not just money. It's attached to people um, with different agendas. So I think that's really smart and strategic and helpful to hear. So one last question, because I know that we're almost out of time. What advice do you have for people who are listening to our podcast who might be interested in starting entrepreneurs or starting apps or honestly anything? Um, the one thing that I would say is talk to everyone that you can. And I know that that might sound like a very extroverted thing to say, but people don't believe me when I say this. I'm actually a closet introvert. Um, I, I love doing the social thing. I love being out there and, and talking and meeting people but then I need me time. And I know that that is, that is the reality that I have. But I say talk to everybody because you never know what idea somebody could give you that you could take with and run with or spark your own thinking in a different way. You never know what resources somebody could be able to provide. And I'm not just talking about money. Um, you never know what connections somebody might be able to help you make. Um, and when you are starting a business, I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, um, especially first or second time entrepreneurs, think about their idea um, as needing to be kept very private, very secret until it's ready, because um, you don't want you know someone to steal the idea or steal the you know anything like that. But I will say the the more you talk to people, the more you share your idea, the better your idea will become. There will always be competition. There will always be you know some level of that. That's what you need to to work towards making yourself better for, but really, really getting as many perspectives as you can, because you as one mind, as one person can only see so much. You have the vision that you have, um, but it's your responsibility as an entrepreneur to help you remove your blinders. And the only way you can remove your blinders is by having other people shed light on those things. Um, and so talk, 
talk to everyone you can. Reach out, be bold, send someone a message on LinkedIn, meet somebody at a conference. Um, if you hear somebody talking and you want to get an idea from them or, or get help, just say, hey, can I have 15 minutes of your time? Most likely people will say yes. If you tell them a little bit about you and you tell them why you want to meet with them, you'll be surprised how many people are willing to offer you their time. So take advantage of that. That's great advice. Thank you so much. I think our listeners probably definitely needed to hear that because I, I think I was actually having this conversation with one of my friends the other day where I was like, where she was like, oh, I want to talk to someone in this field. And I was like, just reach out. And so I had to give her that confidence to be able to do that. And so totally agree. Something we all need to hear and constantly be reminded of that people actually want to help other people and are willing to listen. Um, and if they aren't, then at least you know and you can move on and find someone else. But I want to say thank Absolutely. you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate Absolutely. this conversation. I feel like I learned a lot and I'm sure people listening learned a lot. So with that, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mayda. It was such a pleasure. Always great to speak with you. Of course. And thank you so much for everyone listening. Be sure to tune back in to our next episode and have a great rest of your day.